Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new national museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museums will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal, the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum CEO, former Navy SEAL and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel, which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slabinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004, as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024.
All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Ms. Fitnation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. Sorry about the technical glitches. Having internet problems tonight, a little shaky here in, in beautiful Fayetteville, North Carolina, on our last uh, last live show from the road for a little while. So thanks for joining with us as we uh, did this world tour from uh, California to Vegas to Louisiana and now to North Carolina and back home to Tennessee next week. Uh, tonight we have a good one. Uh, he's a he's a part of an awesome organization, but he was also part of an or, he was also part of an awesome organization before. He was a U.S. Marine. He's a Marine Corps veteran, and now he's the executive director and president of the board for Warrior Wad, which helps veterans uh, find their find their way through workouts and uh, helps them by providing uh, memberships to gym or gym memberships and a positive motivation in a in a time when we all need it. So, without further ado, let's welcome Phil Palmer, U.S. Marine Corps veteran, executive director of Warrior Wad, to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Phil. Hey, Rich. How are you, man? Good, good. You see me battling there. I'm still fighting, and we'll keep fighting to keep you on here. If not, we'll we'll bring you back for a better show sometime. Yeah, no issues, man. I appreciate you having us on here. Uh, it was great. Uh, when Jason connected us, Jason from Travis Manning Foundation, uh, he linked us two together. I think it was Saturday morning. And he just started pumping me a bunch of uh, people to come chat with me, and you were the first one to reach back because that's an awesome organization. I got to get him on here. When you said yes, I said, hell yeah, we got a good one. Yeah. So, Phil, if you don't mind, tell the audience a little more about you from as far back as you want to go to why you joined the Marines, uh, why you decided to serve, of course, and the Marines, and then how we got to where we are now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the reason why I went in the Marine Corps, quite honestly, I was brainwashed. Um, and so uh, I think this dates back to when I was like four years old. My grandfather, Vietnam vet, did multiple tours, uh, retired as a first sergeant. He's 90. He just turned 90 last week, and he still gets a high and unnecessary. 
every single Monday. So when you really think about that, um, you know, he bleeds um, the, the Marine Corps every single day. And, and so when I was like four or five, six years old during the summer, he would take me down to Paris Island, which is about an hour and a half south of Charleston from where I'm at. And I would go watch the recruits graduate you know, for the family day. And, you know, from a very early age, it was ingrained in me that, um, you know, serving your country it, it is a part of uh, your, your duty. And so I knew very, very early on that I was going to go in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, as I encroached into high school, when I was a college, or I was a wrestler, um, I didn't have very good grades. And uh, I, I remember very specifically in my junior year, my grandfather was telling me, hey, you need to go in as an officer. You know, that, that, that's the track you, you should go in. He was enlisted his whole time. Um, and then I went to the guidance council. They're like, there is no way you're going to college with the grades that you have. Quite frankly, we're surprised that you're you're where you are in, in your high school career. Um, so I worked my ass off. You know, eventually got accepted to the Citadel, uh, and it was my knob year at the Citadel in 9/11. In a you know a week before 9/11 happened, I signed my paperwork with the uh, the OSO officer selection officer, um, and I knew that I was going to go in the Marine Corps. And, and so in a week's time everything changed um, from, hey, I'm going to go into peacetime. I may serve four years, eight years. I don't really know. You know, there was no thought of combat to everybody in my class knew that we were going into combat. Um, so fast forward to 2005. And if you remember that time, you know, 2004, 2005, we had the battle for Fallujah one and two, right? And, and so that's on the screen every single day. That's what I'm graduating to, knowing that, you know, my time is going to come. Fast forward to graduating from the basic school um, and, and then going to my first unit, I find out that I was going to be a combat advisor. Um, you know, at the time, I happened to be a male and I was the newest person there. So I was the guy that, that was being voluntold to go to on a MIT team. Um, and in October of 2006, I found myself in Ramadi, Iraq. Um, and, and if you hear the stories of Jocko, uh, Michael Mansour, um, uh, American Sniper movie, uh, Chris Kyle, you know, that's the stage that I was walking into. And, and quite simply, knowing that I was walking amongst giants, right? Um, you know, the Michael Mansour uh, incident, which led to him becoming a uh, Medal of Honor recipient happened the di or the week that we were uh, ripping into Ramadi, right? And, and so, you know, talk about a welcome party, uh, knowing that this was the environment that we're at. So, you know, that, that kind of leads us into um, my story to the Marine Corps and to uh, combat, uh, but yeah, man, that, that first year, very chaotic uh, year. But one of the luxuries that I had as a brand new second lieutenant, um, first, I was attached to an Army battalion. Uh, it was the first of the 506 with Colonel Clark. And then it was Task Force uh, 19 uh, with Colonel Chuck Berry, both amazing leaders. Uh, but I had had the 
unfortunate slash fortunate experience of being a Marine in an Army battalion. Yeah. Uh, but as a new lieutenant, talk about eye-opening and talk about appreciation. Um, and then, you know, across that year, I had the opportunity to see the full spectrum of war. You know, when we first showed up, it was considered the most dangerous place in Iraq. And by the time we left, the Sunni awakening happened, um, and, and we were seeing, you know, significant uh, improvements in Ramadi to the point where, you know, it was more of a uh, humanitarian assistant mission versus, you know, full-scale clearing mission. Yeah, I had the the honor of being Ramadi before you there, uh, 2003, 2004. Jeez. So, uh, and we had a first Mardiv uh, with us, a two four the Magnificent Bastards. I got to got to fight alongside them, and and like you, uh, getting thrown in with us, me working with them was a totally new thing. Because you know, you well, we've seen Marines, we we knew they were there, we, but we never worked with them that closely. And then yeah. we're clearing rooms with them, and I don't know their SOPs and how they do things. And I I run in the door first, and the grenade followed me. And, Lance Corporal threw a grenade in. I, I dove back out, laid it on top of him. I said, what are you doing? He said, Gunny tells us to clear rooms of grenades. I said, not with me in it, brother. Not with me in it. And <laughs> that's how we started our relationship. That was uh, when right when the first Fallujah was starting. So it was April of uh, 2004. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, 2-4, you know, uh, that whole period in Ramadi just – you know, there's books written about it for, you know, all the right reasons. Um, and for you to be a part of that, you know, absolutely incredible. Yeah, I had nothing but respect for that unit. Uh, the Sergeant Major was top notch. The Colonel, Colonel Kennedy was amazing, yes. amazing leader. And then uh, Oliver North was embedded with them. And he was taking young uh, second lieutenants like yourself and basically teaching them on the road. While he while you're supposed to be interviewing them or watching what they're doing, he's actually giving them guidance on how to fire, how to direct fire, and they're just soaking it in. I mean, you have a, a combat leader there with you who his career got short and he fell on the sword for somebody, but he's there giving you knowledge. You can't pay yeah. for that. He was right there doing it. He was awesome. He's one of the best people I ever had embedded with me. Wow, that, that that's incredible. Talk about amazing story, amazing history. So yeah. So I'll let you continue now. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, uh, it, you know, I, I'll continue a little bit with my Marine Corps career. So, you know, I, I did uh, Ramadi, came back. Uh, I was an intelligence officer. Um, so after, you know, I came back from Iraq the first time, I went to the G2 uh, and, and redeployed to Al-Assad um, in 2009, spent another six or seven months there. Ended up coming back to teach brand new lieutenants. You know, as I was uh, a first lieutenant becoming a captain, uh, they sent me to the basic school. And for the Marine Corps, all Marine officers go to the basic school. Uh, you know, the saying is every Marine is a rifleman. Every Marine officer is a rifle platoon commander. And, and so they spend six months learning Marine Corps leadership and then basic infantry tactics. And, and so really the height of my career was being able to um, – impact those lieutenants that I knew that within a few short months were going down range and leading upwards of 42 Marines into combat, whether that was Iraq and Afghanistan. So, you know, very proud of that time. Uh, spent a little bit of time as the operations officer for the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. Um, so if you're familiar with the Army combatants, the Marine Corps has McMahon, um and, and 
that was another very rewarding um, year. Um, as a high school and college wrestler, you know, being able to get back on the mat and do that full time, um, get my ass kicked. You know, the guys that I've been grappling with were light years ahead of me. And, and, you know, the Marines that were the instructors for the course, these guys were absolutely studs. Um, so, you know, it took everything I had to even remotely keep up with them. Um, but yeah, I had my ass handed to me daily by these guys. <laughs> Finished my time at uh, TCOM. So from the Army perspective, this is TRADOC. Uh, TCOM is Training and Education Command. And, and because of my time as uh, on the MIT team, I was ahead of uh, Security Forces Assistance Program for the Marine Corps. And right. so I worked with the Army and with NATO and, and other forces um, to cross-pollinate TTPs and information and, and you know, allow or help our allies make that transition into having their own uh, transition programs. Wow. That's, that's a, a good ride right there. I'm, I'm sure you love getting back on the mat, like you said. And, but uh, on the other hand, you probably had some studs that were trying to hurt hurt anything in their way on those mats because that's what Marines do. They go full, full throttle or nothing. So you had yeah. to really battle that. <laughs> No, I mean, it, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I will say that um, these, you know, I'm going to use the word gentlemen very specifically. These gentlemen, they were warriors um, and, and very ethical and moral warriors. They knew when to put it in. They knew when to throttle it back and teach. Um, you know, I've got so much respect for the, the Marines uh, of uh, the, the McMahon program. It, it, absolutely incredible. That's awesome. And then, of course, being recognized by your peers and by your leadership to make you do that cross-pollination with the security forces assistance. And that was, uh, those of you who don't know, that became very huge in Afghanistan, especially uh, 2010, 11-ish, and then, uh, of course, full throttle, 12, 13, 14. So it, all that knowledge that you brought to the table from that and you know, Army counterparts that also probably did mid-team stuff in Iraq or uh, whatever they were called, that the, the first people that went over did that but the embed teams, all that knowledge was brought together to help the next generation or the next wave of people into Afghanistan. So that's amazing too. Absolutely, yeah. So we journeyed now, we're what, about 2010-ish, 11 now, right? Yeah, so I got out in 2013 and I finished okay. my time doing that security forces business, yeah. Did you go back to do any studying or did you just go full board into other things? Yeah, so I left the Marine Corps in July 2013. So no shit, this is uh, 10 years this month when I, when I left. <laughs> Can't believe it. Yeah. Um, but on a whim, and I had a headhunter uh, recruiter organization helping me trying to find a job. Um, and I was hell bent on doing operations, whether that was like managing a uh, manufacturing plant or, um, you know, some kind of consulting or management at some level or logistics at some level. The guy that was working with me, his name's John Zornick. Um, he was like, Hey, Phil, listen, take a sales interview. And they were setting this thing up where we all flew into Dallas. They would have 10 interviews for us over a span of two days. Wow. So it was, you know, high speed, you know, one hour, 
you do an interview and then you have like 15 minutes to get your composure and then go do another interview and you know over and over again uh, for two days. He was like, out of the 10 interviews, I want you to do one sales interview. I was like, absolutely not. I, there's no way I need to be sales. You know, I'm a Marine. I need to do management. I need to do uh, operations. I need to do logistics. And he was like, nope, I think you need to do sales. I was like, all right. Finally, I broke down and said, okay, I'll do one. And I walked into the job interview and the guy, Randy Allen, he ended up becoming my district manager. I walked in, he was like, hey, you can lead. You don't have what it takes to be in sales. Literally, that was his first words. No, hello, I'm Randy, nothing. Hey, you can leave. You don't have what it takes. And then I spent the hour selling him on why I should be in sales. And he gave me the job on the spot. And, wow. and what he was looking for was, can I overcome the objection? And, and so the fact that I dug in and fought through it, you know, obviously very raw because I didn't have any sales experience, that I knew of, and I'll uh, come back to that here in a second, but um, he wanted to see how I was gonna react. And, and what he was looking for was a fight. He was looking for someone that was willing to go and, and fight through it, even if they didn't uh, have the confidence that they should be there, he wanted to see that they, they would, you know, overcome the objections. And as I sit here right now, I have to go back to when I was on the MIT team, our MIT team leader, um, now Colonel Lively, I'm pretty sure he's about to get his first star here very soon. Uh, he just took over EWS, which is the captain's course for the Marine Corps. Um, at the time, he was Captain Lively. And he looked at me one day because I was just getting so pissed off that I couldn't get the Iraqis to do what I wanted them to do. He was like, do the Jedi mind trick. I was like, what, what, what do you mean, sir? I've never seen Star Wars. You know, what do you mean? He was like, lead them to it. Ask them leading questions. Ask them, you know, instead of saying, hey, you're going to show up tomorrow at 8 a.m., hey, sir, or hey, Sadie, what time do we need to kick off the software? And if you don't like the answer, ask leading questions to get him to come up with the answer. And now that I've been in sales for 10 years, that's exactly what sales is. It's a Jedi mind trick. That's all it is. Asking leading questions, understanding what the problem is, and finding the solution by guiding them uh, to the water. So uh, I, I've got to give a lot of credit to now Colonel Lively uh, for that because he changed the outcome of, you know, my post-military career uh, by just that one piece of wisdom. And without even knowing it. Yeah. Without even knowing it. Yeah. And it stuck with you, obviously, 10 years down the road, or actually more than that, probably since you met him prior to you getting out. So yeah, it's yeah. a long time to stick with you and, and then use it to your advantage moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, the, the other thing is, and, you know, regardless of what level, whether you're an NCO or a company grade officer or a general leadership is sales. Every single day you have to sell the men and women that serve with you, why they should follow you. You have, and you do it through respect and you do it through leadership by example, but you sell them. Because they have a choice to make, and in combat, there's no such thing as rank. My personal opinion, there's no such a thing as rank. I'm going to ask you to do things that could cost people's lives. You can listen to me and, and potentially lose your life or one of your teammates' lives. Or the alternative, you, you don't listen to me, and, and there's consequences, NJP or court-martial, whatever the case is. But if I'm sitting there and I don't respect you, 
and I have to make that decision, I'll take the NJP or the court martial every single time over trying to lose or over someone losing their life because of someone I don't respect. Right. And, and so on a daily basis, our uh, military leadership at every level, they're selling the men and women under them why they should follow them. And they're earning that. And it's a constant, uh, it's a constant uh, fight for a lot of young leaders to understand that's what they're trying to do to buy in or buy in or sell away, buy into the program or sell away. It's hard for a leader to understand that as they go forward. Yes, sir. So sales, but then we have something else that you also got into, which is pretty awesome, an awesome organization. And I want you to really hammer that in here. Let's talk about Warrior Wad and, and what it does. I know I gave a little word, probably messed up a little bit, but give a little, as much as you want to talk about it, or talk about it as much as you possibly can, and uh, yeah. and tell people how they can get involved and help you. Yeah, so I think there's a little bit of history that needs to be established. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm going to be a little bit uh, raw and open about my path to Warrior Wad. Um, so in 2013, uh, I left the Marine Corps, um, and, and from, so I was in the battle for Ramadi, uh, you know, lost a lot of, uh, both Iraqis and, and mil uh, American military as well. Um, you know, I got wounded, uh, on Valentine's day of 2007, you know, IED goes off and I took some shrapnel. Um, so I came home with physical wounds, but physical wounds heal, right? Like right now I'm in a sling. I just had my pec reattached in six months. It's going to heal. And, and in a year or two years from now, it's just going to be a figment of my imagination. Um, but the mental wounds aren't so easy to heal. Right. And, and back in 2006 and seven and throughout my uh, entirety in the Marine Corps, there was a stigma that Marine officers didn't have uh, mental health issues, especially if you wanted to be uh, in command or NCOs didn't have uh, mental health issues. If you wanted to be a platoon sergeant or a first sergeant, right? Or even a sergeant major, if you wanted to be leadership, you didn't have mental health issues. And, and so myself and a ton of my peers just kind of bottled it up and, and sucked it up for the duration of our time, right? And, and so it opened up the doors for me to have different um, successes and different positions and billets that, you know, I look back and I, I'm so appreciative of, but I wasn't getting the help that I needed. And, and so finally in 2013, uh, when I left, went to the VA, um, you know, uh, opened up a little bit and their solution was a shit ton of antidepressants. Fun fact, and I heard this not too long ago, the average veteran from the VA has seven different prescriptions. That's right. insane. And the, the problem is the different departments in the, the VA aren't talking to each other. So, you know, we're mixing and matching prescriptions that who knows the effect of them being combined and if they have any kind of adverse effects together. Yeah. But, you know, at the time, 2013, I mean, they started giving me a lot of antidepressants. And man, did it help with some of my thoughts and some of my feelings? Absolutely. It numbed me, right? But here's the kicker. It numbed me socially and occupationally that I was not the same caliber of an individual 
that I was months before off of antidepressants when I was in the Marine Corps. I was numb and, and I wasn't performing. And, and so I, I carried that on for a little while. Um, and I got really big into skydiving. I'm serious. I did 4,000 skydives over 10 years. Wow. Um, and, and as I reflect right now, it wasn't because it was fun and it wasn't because it was a cool thing to do. It was the adrenaline. A lot of our veterans uh, find their way into substance abuse to numb themselves. And my antidepressants weren't doing it for me. So it was through skydiving and that adrenaline and that chemical, I was able to function. And I can't make this up. I would leave on Friday, skydive all day Saturday and Sunday, do 20 jumps in a weekend, and then go back to work on Monday. Wow. And if I missed that, I couldn't function. So did that for several years and then on a whim, and I think this was partially because, you know, I was getting a little embarrassed about what I was seeing in the mirror. Uh, I was like, ah, I need to go to the gym. There was a gym one mile down the road for me. I could run there, work out, run back. Um, happened to be CrossFit. I, I promise I'm not in the CrossFit cult. Um, but what was cool about it and, and um it's c4 crossfit out of houston amazing group of individuals um you walk in and there's the marine corps flag the american flag the army flag the navy flag uh they have an appreciation for our military and our veterans we do these things called hero wads to honor our fallen the people that finish last get the loudest cheer uh every time you hit a new personal vest or personal record uh, people go berserk for you. And, and it was that culture, you know, take the modality out of the equation. Uh, I believe CrossFit's a great uh, type of exercise, but take that out of the equation. It was the culture that I walked into. And within a year, completely off of antidepressants. Wow. And I didn't have the urge that I had to go skydive. It, it was just a transition that I, I, I can't really explained fully but it was the prescription it was the rx that i needed um so you know i did i did that for several years um and, and i realized that it helped me but i started hearing over and over again other veterans and first responders having kind of the same therapy through exercise and then fast forward 2019 i had the opportunity to move back home um and, and so at the time, my fiance and I, uh, we, we took that opportunity as quickly as we could. And we came back to Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we came back June 19th of 2019. Found a CrossFit gym uh, because that, that was a community that, you know, was helping me. And as I walked in, uh, they said, hey, you're a veteran. You know, for the 4th of July, we do a week long. Uh, every day is a new workout dedicated to a fallen soldier, Marine, airman, sailor. Um, do you have someone that you want to dedicate a workout to? And I do. Uh, so one of my closest friends from uh, my time at the Citadel, Joshua Booth, was killed in Haditha uh, the day that I landed in Iraq. Um, and, and he was killed by a sniper. You know, it hit me hard. It hit all my classmates hard. And so we did a workout dedicated for him. What, when we finished, uh, the owner of the gym, Shannon, walked up to me and said, hey, you need to go talk to this guy, uh, Justin. 
um, and did not give me any context. So I walk over to Justin and, and I was like, hey, Shannon asked me to come talk to you. He was like, hey, man, hell of a workout. Appreciate what you did for Josh Booth. Um, you know, I'd be honored if you would do the workout tomorrow with me. Uh, it's for my brother. And, and so I, I started asking questions about uh, his brother, his brother, uh, Nick Riccio, uh got out as a corporal. Uh, he was in a battle for Fallujah. He was with 2-2, uh, got hit by an ID. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities, right? He was in Fallujah, I was in Ramadi, both of us hit by IEDs. Um, the difference was when he got home after that tour, he got out of the Marine Corps and, and got deep into drugs and alcohol. You know, I, I stayed in, eventually got into skydiving. Uh, so we both had our chemical needs, right? 10 years after Justin, or, uh, uh, Nick got out of the Marine Corps, uh, he loses his life to substance abuse. His younger brother, Justin, the guy that uh, I met at the CrossFit gym, uh, being the younger brother, followed in his footsteps. He got deep into drugs and alcohol as well. And it was through fitness that he was able to get out of it. So at that moment, I was like, man, there is something here. And, and I had a conversation with my wife and I was like, hey, like, I know that there's something here. here. Um, and, and she responded to me, she's like, listen, if you think this is the right thing to do, oh, by the way, we're in the middle of planning a wedding. So, uh, but she says, you know, if this is the right thing to do, let's do it. Um, and, and she imparted some wisdom to me that just blew me away. She's like, if we spend the rest of our life doing this and we save one person's life from suicide, it was well worth it. Um, and, and, and since then, you know, Warrior Wad uh, has been up and running since 2021. Uh, we've helped almost 75 veterans through our program, probably another 500 indirectly through different uh, events that we have done. Um, we prioritize exercise and nutrition as prescriptions or as the RX for veterans recovering from post-traumatic stress and invisible wounds. Man, the, the results blow me away. And I knew that there was something there because like as you research this, you know, there, there's research that shows exercise and nutrition helps. There's research that shows mentorship helps. What we have done is combined all three together. And, and last year, we saw an 18% decrease in PTSD symptoms across all of our veterans. Name a antidepressant that can do that. I couldn't. There isn't one, right? And what we have combined is exercise, nutrition, and mentorship. So every veteran that comes into our program, uh, they get six months of a fitness program, whether that's in a gym of their choosing or it's uh, at home equipment um, and, and programming through our coaches. They also get six months of nutrition coaching at no cost to them uh, by certified nutritionists. They'll meet twice uh, a month with these nutrition coaches. And then they also get paired with another veteran that's walked a mile in their shoes. And, and this battle buddy of theirs will help them through their journey, keep them accountable, keep them motivated and be someone that can empathize with them because they've walked that journey themselves. So that's kind of where we're at now. You know, our, our journey has been very uh, expedited, in my opinion. You know, our first year, uh, we started in June of 2021. We helped two veterans and we paid out of pocket. 
right? Next year, we helped 13 veterans. Uh, half was paid out of pocket, half was through generosity of other people. This year, we're encroaching on 75 veterans. So, and we have a pathway to 150 um, that we'll be able to help. So over a 10 times increase than what we did last year. So we're super stoked about it. We've got, you know, several different things uh, bubbling up to the top that, that's going to help us uh, for 2024 and 2025 as well. Um, but man, it is one of the coolest things when I get a text that, and you know, I won't disclose uh, this soldier's name, uh, but one of the members of our program that just graduated July 1st, he texted me and said, hey, I've lost 30% body fat, or uh, correction, 13% body fat, 30 pounds. And I didn't tell you this beforehand, but I was contemplating suicide. And now I found my purpose. And, and to me, that's why we do it. it, it, it it's insane to have that kind of impact. And, and I read the surveys and the testimonials every single day as they come in. And my team is doing, and I can't take credit for it. I've got an incredible team behind me. Uh, my team is doing incredible things to make impacts on the journey of our veterans, our nation heroes, uh, or finding recovery through our program. That's amazing. And uh, the numbers, the numbers speak for themselves. Says you help one, you reach one, teach one. You got those first two through on on your own dime, really. And then uh, you started to get some generosity in there, so you had some half and half. And now it, it's starting to seem like it's it's rolling forward pretty well now. You said 75, but just with a pipeline to be hit about 150 for this year. That's a lot of veterans to help in one year, and a lot of uh, men and women that that served our country that really need it. And I think it's a very valuable value added that you're giving to their lives, and it really helped. workouts do help people, and I can attest that. When I was in my darkest spots. Workouts was my temple. That's my temple. It's still my temple. I go there and I ring the bell every day. That's how, that's how you do it. You go ring the bell at the temple and open up the doors. And I think that's the best thing for anybody. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, exercise is therapy. Now, I'm not a doctor and I, I'm not a psychologist. Um, I know through my journey and through other journeys that it, it helps. I am not advocating that this is a the silver bullet where this is all you need, right? It's a holistic approach. Um, I can tell you my journey it, it ended with me getting completely off of antidepressants. Uh, I can tell you other people's journey are the same. We're not advocating getting off of medication. We're advocating finding other avenues um, to help yourself. And, and the there is no one magic bullet that's going to help you and, and i think that the va today um their go-to is antidepressants and you know talk therapy sessions uh and, and for some that may help it, it may but for many um it either is a mask or a band-aid or it just is it's the start to some catastrophic behaviors you know We've all heard the statistics, man. Um, 22 veterans take their lives a day. Um, and, and what what kind of, I found this information out recently, I guess within the last year, but 
that number is jaded. It's jaded in the sense that the VA only counts it if there is a weapon in hand or a suicide note. Now, I'm a knuckle dragger from the Marine Corps, but I'm smart enough to figure out that there's other ways people can take their lives. Now, uh, Duke University, um, along with American Warrior Partnership, did a study recently that found that that number is also pretty jaded in the sense that substance abuse, people are taking their lives through substance abuse and overdose. There's an additional 20 veterans that self-inflicted abuse <coughs> that are no longer with us per day. So when we really analyze this number, you know, when you take the suicide as VA counts it and you take, you know, the substance abuse death, that's 40 to 42 veterans that are no longer with us. And if you peel it back, it all started from post-traumatic stress or other invisible wounds. You know, that was the root cause. And, and they were looking at the equation like this. My pain is so bad that I would either quickly take the pain away through suicide or numb it to the point where I lose my life than to face my demons anymore. And, and where Warrior Walk fits in the equation is we're going way down the river and trying to impact them before um, the weapon is in hand or the pills are in the hand, or they have to go from antidepressant to a stronger drug to a stronger drug to a stronger drug until they lose their battle. So, you know, that's what we are trying to do. You know, um, fitness is the byproduct, and, and it's so cool hearing people, you know, improve from a physical standpoint, but what we're really trying to address is that mental aspect and getting ahead of that mental wound. Definitely. And uh, I had a Michael Carmichael on uh, here uh, July 4th on Independence Day. And he's a he's a president and founder of the organization Check the Vet, where they, have the, they want people to go out in the communities and check on their veterans and stuff. And he brought those numbers up, and it was eye-opening. He broke it down like Barney style for me with almost an algebraic equation. But the numbers are so high i already knew about the substance abuse stuff because i knew they didn't count that they don't count the high risk adrenaline moves guys were doing right? maybe racing cars or doing whatever like that and dying at all but once you see all those numbers in front of you, the big number you know that we're losing brothers and sisters at a pandemic rate we're losing more than anything covid could have done and in the 22 days started they started actually broadcasting what 2016 i think 17 ish when they start actually pushing that number out, those numbers then were mostly Vietnam veterans at that point. And that's the numbers they were counting. But as we've moved away from this generation of the Guat and the Desert Storm kind of guys and gals, those numbers are now catching up. They're catching up in there because they're more of the adrenaline junkies and things like that. And like you said, substance abuse. So those numbers are frightening. And when there's guys like you out there putting your foot forward and and showing them a way to do things better, that's that's the best thing we can do. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I gravitate to the fitness side. You know, that, that's how I found my recovery. But there's amazing organizations. Um, there's, what, 5,000 veteran support organizations that's popped yes. up in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and, and there's everything. There's a, an organization just down the road for me. Amazing. It's Warrior Surf. They're using surfing, very similar to the way that we're using uh, fitness. Uh, there's Coastal Expedition using kayaking. 
uh, there's horseback riding versions, fishing versions. You know, at the end of the day, we're providing our veterans purpose. And we're finding that we have to pop up and all these 5,000 veteran support organizations are starting to fizzle to the top because the VA is missing the mark. The organization that has been given the responsibility to take care of our nation's heroes is missing it. And, and so now there's so many, whether it's Travis Manion Foundation taking care of the survivors of our loss, or if it's, you know, Warrior Wad helping those with post-traumatic stress and using exercise and nutritional warrior surf or, you know, Vet Wad, any of these organizations that are stepping up, the reason is the VA is missing the mark. There's a gap and knowing that there's an obvious gap and it has to be filled. Yes. And pills are not the answer for everybody. And no. uh, when you said the seven, the seven prescriptions for veteran, it, it brought me back to my first visit to the VA and my doctor not even looking at me, just looking at his computer screen, reading and saying a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, you have this, you have this. And then next day I know in the mail, I get a box of drugs. Like it was almost nine or 10 different drugs. I was, I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. So I brought it to the police station and dumped into the, the pill box, the pill donation thing. Because I don't I don't want these only what they are. I'm not taking them. Yep. And I still haven't taken any. Yeah, I mean, and, and that shows a level of discipline. Um, unfortunately, we have veterans that are in a darker place that um, for whatever reason, uh, and, and there's zero judgment here, but their struggles are great enough that, that that's an easy way to try to solve the problem. Um, and, and that just leads to deeper and deeper. It, it's like quicksand. Have you ever seen the movie, The Replacements? Yes, yes. Yeah, Keanu Reeves, you know, uh, he, he says quick, you know, while I was out there on the field, it just felt like quicksand. Like I would do one thing and then get deeper and then deeper and then deeper. That That's how I see, you know, the, the problem happening. The VA and trying to do the right thing prescribes a bunch of medicine. And then that veteran takes the medicine and it's not enough and they're getting deeper and then they have to go something stronger and something stronger, and something stronger. And then they, they cross that line where either through substance abuse, it's too much or through the fact that they're still struggling and they want an instant way out. And it's not, you know, for the veteran, you know, it, that's horrific, but we also have to think about the network of people that they're leaving behind. So, you know, that 22 veterans, you know, that take uh, the, the quick way out and the other 20 through substance abuse, that's 42 people a day that are fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, um, grandparents, uh, that, that whole network, that spider web is still affected as well. So when, when we analyze these numbers, it's not just, you know, we can't just say 42, you know, it's compounded, it's exponential. Um, we're looking at, you know, hundreds of people a day are affected by that veteran's inability to be able to recover. Exactly. And it's a almost a domino effect. Once that one, once a brother, sister, father, loses their battle with the demon the, the darkness inside everyone around them i mean they may have seen it coming but they didn't know what to do or how to do it to help them and no. 
they, they feel like that, that loss as well. Uh, just about 100 days or so ago, uh, Paul Kudak, U.S. Marine veteran, he wrote his final letter on Facebook at 4 in the morning. I'm about to be a member of the 22. Uh, I, I've, I've known him since about 2015 or 16. He was a great dude, and he never showed anything outward of what he was going through. And when I seen that, I can tell he did that at a time when no one can stop him because he didn't want any help. He didn't want, to, didn't want to stop. He wanted to go through it. There was nothing we could do at that time. It hit hard that day. And since then, I've, I've kept that in my mind, thinking about all my guys and the, the people I served with and to make sure that they're all right. So I try to check on them as much as possible. I'm doing a lot better with it now since then. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I think you're hitting on a, a, a great thing. Like, you're checking on them. You're you're employing uh, the battle buddy program, right? Like you you were in the army. I was in the rank where the battle buddies. Like you didn't do anything without your battle buddy. It right. didn't matter what level you're at. You always had a battle buddy, right? And, and um, there's so much power to that. I truly believe in our program that it's it's through that mentorship, that battle buddy, that empathy. That, that we're successful and, and what you're doing, uh, checking on, on those that, you know, you serve with and that you love and your brothers and sisters, you're employing empathy. You walked a mile in their shoes, you know what it's like. And, and so you have the ability to stop that domino effect. As much as possible. Yes. <laughs> as long as we can reach, like I said, we say here a lot, reach one, teach one. If we can reach one and stop them, that's a good day with you getting 75 this year. Hopefully you have the 150 and that hopefully they get put on that same bandwidth to go straight. If warrior surf is doing the same thing and they're getting the same kind of numbers, uh, surfing, uh, I'd probably fall and kill myself on the surfboard, but it, <laughs> it sounds like it's a fun thing to do, but if that's working, let them do it. If it's a bike ride through the countryside, if that helps them do it, get out there and do it. With them. Yes. Yeah. Do something. Um, yeah. just do something, get involved. Um, and from the, the, you know, the other side of the equation, you know, if you're good, help someone, reach out, uh, civilian or veteran, and it doesn't matter, you know, um, reach out, you know, if you're seeing signs or you don't see signs, you know, as you describe it, you know, there, there are so many people suffering in silence and you would never know the difference. Um, it's through that camaraderie, that empathy, that sympathy, that we can make a big change. It's not through just throwing medicines down our throat. Um, it's not through some resident that had, you know, a couple years of med school, but no life experiences listening to you, not being able to understand what it was like walking the streets of Fallujah, uh, of Ramadi, uh, never seeing what a VBID or an IED can do, never saw what a 762 going through someone's neck can do, right? And you try to explain this to that residents that the worst thing that they've ever done uh, is had a paper cut when they were in a shift change at the VA. You try to explain that to them and they can't empathize. Right. But if you've ever dealt with trauma in any fashion, civilian, first responder, uh, uh, military, it doesn't matter. You can empathize and you can stop that equation. You can stop that domino effect. Definitely. Phil, what's a great way to get in contact with you or definitely to help Warrior Walk? Yeah, so uh, our website's 
pretty easy. It's warriorwad.org. Uh, wad, I get this question all the time. It's work out of the day. Uh, so it's warriorwod.org. Um, you can find us on social media. I think just about every platform, uh, the warrior wad. And then, you know, I'm happy to give out my email address. It's phil, P-H-I-L, at warriorwad.org. If you're suffering, reach out to me. I will find time to jump on the phone and talk to you. If you're, you know, within driving distance, I'll drive to you. You know, I'll do everything in my power uh, if you need help. But reach out to me. My um, The quickest way to get a hold of me is through my email, uh, social media platforms as well. Um, it what we need, uh, I'm assuming that that's going to be part of your next question, is awareness, right? I need the veterans that need our help to know about us. I need, you know, every veteran that is suffering to reach out. Now, we're, we're limited by funding. That, that That's right. always an issue. But I want to help as many veterans as I possibly can. Uh, so I need awareness of the veterans that need us. I also need awareness of talent uh, and people that can speak on our behalf. You know, whether it's a podcast that, that can allow us to, you know, spread the message or it's an individual that can help us spread that message or it's talent that you can volunteer and make an impact through your talent. The last thing is awareness to treasure, right? So we think about talent, we think about treasure as, as ways to help. Um, I need awareness of people that are willing to help us fund this program. You know, it costs money. Um, you know, gym memberships aren't free. Nutrition right. coaching is not free. And, and so, um, you know, I also need awareness to people that are willing to be very generous um, and, and help us, uh, whether that's a full cohort of 25 veterans at a time or that's, you know, sponsoring one or two veterans. You know, we desperately need that help as well. That's how we're going to get to 115. That's how next year we're going to double down again and do 300 and continue nice. to double down. Awesome. And, uh, the application process for the veteran, is it pretty straightforward? Do they have to send you anything or? Yeah. Yeah. So great question. Um, so on our website, there, there's a link. It just says veterans. Uh, the veteran can go there and apply. Uh, there's some questions revolving around your time and service. There's questions around your mental health and there's questions around your physical fitness. Uh, so there is an application process. Uh, we do look at it from a severity standpoint. We start with the most severe. And then, you know, as we have funding, we'll help every single one until we get down to the bottom of the list. Um, awesome. Once a quarter, we review it. And then once a quarter, we start a cohort of veterans. Right now, they're sitting about 20 veterans a cohort. Uh, but, you know, I would love the day when we're starting 100 veterans uh, every single quarter. Outstanding. Phil, this has been great chatting with you. I hope yeah. we can get you on again next year and hear that 300 number. And, and see more success stories and and more um, more of our brothers and sisters, not only getting fit but mentally, but also feeling that camaraderie and, and the joy in life again as they come out of your programs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you helping us uh, with getting the message out. And, you know, I appreciate everything that you're doing uh, from your vantage point as well. Um, it, it takes an army, you know. Yes. And, and so, you, you know, you, myself, and all the others that are, you know, being veteran advocates, that's how we're going to make it. Definitely. And I appreciate the, the kind words there. And we will have you on again, definitely. And uh, stay online after this outro. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask you another question off, offline here. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right.
Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 